Morning. How is everybody? We are actually talking about work this morning. And, uh, you know, I've been realizing what an incredibly important topic. I said to Brendan, I said, I think we're going to have to come back somewhere along the line and and really dig into work because it's such a, a, a big deal. And on September 8th, 1923, a group of sailors, naval people, started their work. It was a routine deal. They were supposed to take these big battleships along the southern coast of California from point A to point B. And uh, it was a time drill and something they had done many, many times. It wasn't under duress. So they began to crank it up. And as they cranked it up, they were cruising along at 20 knots, which doesn't sound that fast. It's about 24 miles an hour, which, again, doesn't sound that fast. But if you're on a big battleship on water, you're cruising. And they were, they were a little concerned because there was a very dense fog and they were just beginning to converse, you know, should we change our direction or what, what should we do or should we slow down and move out to sea a little bit more when all of a sudden this huge battleship hit an immovable mass of rock and literally split the ship in two. And before the captain could begin to call to the other members of the fleet, they too were just careening and crashing into this rock. And the aftermath of it looked like this. You can see the rock and you can see these battleships that are just strewn across. And amazingly, we lost more battleships in this one incident in peacetime than we did through the entire World War I. It was just, it was just an incredible mess. But the problem was, was they were moving along trying to do their work in fog. And when I started thinking about this, I think, you know, Many of us probably feel this way. You, you get up on, on Monday and you, you might have a little groove, like you, you get up and you, you get some toast or some coffee or, and, and you get ready and you, you just begin to do your week. Monday to Tuesday and Tuesday to Wednesday and Wednesday to Thursday. And you're, you're going through your groove. But why? Why are you? Why are you working? What is it about? What does it mean? And what does it mean to do your work in a way where you're living the love of the Lord out loud. Because for most of us, the car that takes us to work has a bumper sticker that says this, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go. That's why we do it. We gotta pay the bills. Anyone feel like that? It's like, man, that's why I do it. I don't go there because it's the most pleasurable place on earth. You know, that's what I gotta go. And when you begin to listen to people's stories about work, you realize it's a big subject and we have fog around it. Do you realize that in your life, you're going to spend over 90,000 hours working? And that's not including the other vocations that you do as a mom or as a dad or as a brother or sister. It's going to a workplace and doing work. But here's the problem that we run into is 80% of the people are dissatisfied with their jobs. That means 8 out of 10 of you sitting in this room really don't like your job. You're completely dissatisfied. No wonder then that a full quarter of you say it's your main stress and 40% say it's extremely stressful. And when I talk to people, this is what I find. How are you doing? Good. How are things at work? Ah. And immediately you start talking about it. And, you know, with all this stress, it costs us 13 million working days are lost because of stress-related disease. 13 million. 
Just imagine if we could recover 13 million. Imagine how much work could get done. Imagine what it would do to the economy. They're lost. And to complicate things, 64% of the people that are regularly working cancel their vacation. No wonder they're stressed. They just cancel it. I won't go into the stats about how um, these things right here. Yes, that's Mark running. That's top speed right there. You saw it. How much these things have changed their work world. Can I get an amen? The expectation. I had two people tell me not too long ago that their work expectation is if you get a text or an email before 11 p.m., you have to answer it. So this is why work feels like this. That's like these burdens are too much. You can't really be expecting that. But yet work is the idea of work, the, the concept of work uh, is created by God. And yet we have this fogginess that surrounds it and we run into these rocks as a result of it. So I want to talk to you this morning about what are these rocks that we run into when we're trying to figure out how do we live our love out loud at work? And the first one is, work is evil. Work is just evil. It's, it, we live in a fallen planet and this concept of work is evil. And this idea has been around a long time. If you go back prior to the Reformation, what you had was a spectrum of how to live in the world. The medieval church, their idea was, we're going to take it over. So the, the crusade concept was very big in their mindset of the way you deal with culture is you take it over. Now the Anabaptists swung out the other way and said, no, we're going to retreat from culture and we're just not going to engage it because culture's bad. We're, so we're just going to create a different world and stay away from this world. But both these groups as divergent in their approach of the world agreed th- about this, that all work apart from the church, was evil. And there's sometimes, you know, you can honestly, you feel a little bit that way. You feel like, it is evil. In fact, I think my boss is the Antichrist. You know, and you start to really wonder, what's, what's, what's going on here? They didn't, they didn't get that first service. They got it second service. But an important thing happened that that change the mindset or begin to change it. And I, I think if, if you struggle at all about, man, yeah, I do have an attitude that, like this sacred and secular, that, I, that when I do holy work, it's over here, and then I go to work and it's just kind of fallen or evil or something. And Luther stepped into this, and he, he was a fabulous thinker. Um, not only did he just completely reopen the church's eyes to salvation by grace, but he, he looked at work and he said, we've got to rethink how we think about work. And so this Protestant work ethic came. And many people think that's the work ethic, that you know, we just are super hard workers. But it's not the idea that you know, we're crazy and slave to work. That's not what Luther was after. He was, he was looking to communicate two important points when we thought about work. And I want you to think about these and think if you actually think this way. The first point is Luther said when God blesses us he almost always does it through other people he said like when you pray the Lord's prayer and it says give us this day our daily bread how do you get your daily bread how many of you had toast this morning or something you had toast this morning how many of you had coffee this morning 
Yeah, there's always more coffee. Now, did that coffee just fall down from heaven? Did God sovereignly rip off your roof and go, here, Dave, have a cup of coffee. It's Jesus, Java, you know? Was it that? No. Someone had to grow the coffee, right? And then someone had to harvest the coffee. Someone had to roast the coffee and package the coffee and distribute the coffee. It all took people to do that, to bless you with coffee and bless me so you don't fall asleep right away in the sermon. But it took people, right? That's how the blessing is communicated. And so Luther said, we've got to realize that, that God's blessing doesn't fall directly from heaven, but he's incorporated this idea that we are all co-blessers with God. And then he said, secondly, and therefore, God most often shows up through the mask of vocation. And so, does the, does the Lord want to heal you? Yes. Does he always heal you when you go to that back corner and get prayer from someone? No. Sometimes when you're getting prayer for someone or, and you want, a, you want a healing and it doesn't happen, who do you go see? The doctor who's devoted his life to studying medicine and being current on there and he helps you to get towards health. But behind the mask, Luther's saying, of this doctor is God. God is in it. God is hiding behind the vocational mask of that person. And just like through distribution of goods, just like through services that are happening, God is there. And he's part of it. And he wants to incorporate us in this blessing that happens through work. So work is not evil. In fact, work is from the hand of God meant to be a blessing. So think about that. So many will say, well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really think that it was evil. I thought more, second big rock, it's unspiritual. I mean, you should see the workplace they go to, Mark. You should hear what people talk about. You should see how they act. You should see all this. And he goes, it's just a, a very bad, unspiritual business. And what I should probably do if I want to be super spiritual is get in full-time ministry like you. And we have this idea that, again, sacred and secular. But Paul hits this straight on. And I, I really want you to take this to heart. Listen to what Paul writes. Whatever you do. Whatever. Whatever you do. If you're a daughter, a mom, if you're a father or a son, if you're a policeman, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, if you're a school teacher, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ who you are serving. It is the Lord you are serving as you move through and as Jesus becomes your magnificent obsession as Brennan's been coining it and as you, as you work with and become like you, 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 anything you do digging post holes, sweeping streets, changing light bulbs, anything you do, if it's done unto him, you're serving the Lord. And it says the reward will come from the Lord. So it has to do with this idea that Merton said that all vocations are attended by God to manifest his love to the world. We know work isn't evil. He wants to bless you and others through you as you do your work. It's a holy thing. 
And it has a lot to do with how we do our work because we're related to God. So as we're with him and we're, we're doing the work, there's a, there's a change in not just what we do, but how we do it. I was talking to my neighbor and he was telling me about his experience at work. And he said to me, he, he said, I recently was in a job where I was in completely inept. I mean, I kept making all these mistakes. I didn't have training for it. I don't know how I got it. And I would, I would try to do the work with all my might. I'd pray. I'd work really hard. And sure enough, I'd, I'd get a call from my supervisor. I'd go in and my supervisor would say, this is wrong. And this happened numerous times. And he, he, all the time, he, one of these mistakes would happen. He'd ride the bus home and he'd think, surely tomorrow I will hear that I lost my job. He said it was just dire. It was so bad. And so this went on for longer than he, he was comfortable really going on. And he got a call from his supervisor and he thought, okay, this is it. I'm done. And he goes in and he sits down and they say, hey, we found a job that's much more fitting to you, much more suitable to your skills and training. And we're going to transfer you over in the company to that. And he was like, hallelujah. And they took a deep breath and he felt relief. And he said, can I ask you a question? And she said, sure. And he said, why didn't you fire me? Because if I'm you and I look at all the mistakes I made, I would have been like, fire the guy. He's completely inept because I felt that way. And you know what she said? She said, I would never let you go because of the kind of person you are. We can find people can do the work, but we can't find people who are like you. And our team needed someone like you more than someone who could do the right work. It was about who they had become because of who they belonged to. It's an incredible work. And when you realize then that all vocations, when you're done to God and with God, manifest the love of the Lord to the Lord. So first service, I said to the group, I said, when we hear the word vocation, we usually think right away work. But the word vocation literally means calling. And when we think of calling, what do we normally think of? Are you called? Is Brendan, he's called to be a pastor. And we think that, oh, only those holy guys that do holy work get a calling. But the reality is all of you, every one of you right now in this room have a calling. Do you believe me? And the calling is to bring blessing. It's to be blessed and bless others like an Abraham kind of a calling. They're all intended to manifest God's love to a very, very hungry world. So I want to pause the message for a moment. And I want to ask you to stand up because what I would like to do is I would like to commission you based on your calling. Don't be shy. Every single one of you has a job. It doesn't matter if you're a student. It doesn't matter if, if you're retired. You still have something. You're still a citizen. You're still a grandpa or a dad or someone. It's your work. And your work is holy. Do you believe that? You're not convincing me. It is holy work. God wants to work in your work. In fact, he has been. You just haven't recognized it. So, receive. Lord, right now, in a fresh way, in light of what your word is saying, I commission these to do your holy work. They are a royal priesthood. They are doing holy work. 
wherever they are, whatever they're doing, Lord, grace them, use them, flow through them and in them. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated, fully commissioned and ready to go. Right? You can hardly wait. People are heading to the parking lot, jumping in their cars. Let me go to work. Let me do it. Now, the question of the day is this, though. What if Jesus had your job? Do you think Jesus was a hard worker? Most of his life, that's what he did. He, he grew up. He, Luke says that he submitted as a child. He, uh, he learned. He went to school with other Jewish kids. And would have gone through all those, the rituals and practices of growing up in that culture. He would also have learned carpentry. Because we know Joseph was a carpenter. And typically what would happen in that culture is if your dad was a carpenter, you would be trained in the family business. And at some point in time, Joseph leaves the picture. We don't know exactly what happened there, but that would have meant that Jesus as the firstborn would inherit the business and would have been this carpenter. Do you think Jesus did good carpentry work? I think he did. Excellent, excellent. Wouldn't you like to buy one of Jesus's tables? How cool would that be? You know, Brendan, that's a Jesus table. Take your feet off of it. You know, I just moved my mom from, you know, South, South Milwaukee to a, a town just north of that. And it was so funny because, you know, she's an artist and she's got all these things and she's collected all these antiques. Oh, be careful with that. Don't touch that. Don't, don't move that. Well, we got to move that, you know, and the, the little grandfather clock. Oh, oh, oh. But imagine if you had a Jesus table, you know. Don't touch that table. You know, and I, but I was thinking about Jesus, and I'm sure he was a tremendously hard worker. And I'm sure that he would have done fine work. But the, here's the reality. The question is, what if Jesus had your job? The reality is, is he does. Is Jesus with you? Is he in your heart? Do you take that part of you out when you go to work? Where's Jesus when you're at work? With us. Some of you aren't convinced. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't go into my workplace. You should see it. But the reality is that Jesus wants to partner with you. It's what he, he wants. There is no great divide. There is no sacred and secular in Jesus' mind. That was part of the reason the Pharisees hated him, was he blew all that up. What's Jesus hanging out with them for? Why does he do that? Jesus is not afraid of your workplace He's there with you, but are you there with him? And it's so important. It's because when you begin to think about, it isn't so much what we do, it's who we do it to and how we do it that matters. Right? It isn't so much what. Jesus isn't going, oh, you know, he's just a floor worker in a factory. We can't accept that as a worthy sacrifice. No. When he sees a, a, someone who is working in a retail floor, someone who's working in a fast food, and he sees how they do it and who their work is given to, that makes Jesus smile. That's the deal. And just a, a quick cursory reading of Scripture and some of the things that are expected of us in terms of if we are loved by this one who has this incredible love, if we're touched by that love, we should live this certain way. And we read these things that are kind of called upon us as these Christ followers. It's crazy. 
Let me give you just a small sampling of what I'm talking about. And it shows how desperately we need to be with Jesus in our workplace. Ready? First one. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. How are we doing with that, ladies and gentlemen? And, and then so you read this in your quiet time and you're like, la, 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 I didn't read that. I have to ask Pastor Brendan about what the Greek word is for everything because he can't possibly mean that. But he does. He does mean that. And it's so easy, isn't it? What, what happens to us when we're in a job we don't like or we're in a situation or there's something unfair, what do we naturally do? We grumble. We, we, now look at this next one. Be completely humble and gentle. Completely. That's the one that makes you go, what? Completely humble? And the minute you go, I got that down, are you humble? It's a quandary. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Now, I have a bunch of people in my family that are restaurant workers, and there's sometimes that they would like to serve those people's meals right on top of their head. And I'm sure you've got situations in your workplace where you're like, oh, I'd like to serve them one, right? And it's saying serve wholeheartedly. So the call is, is that, listen, bring me to work. Let me work through you so that I can work to the people who are around you. And he's calling it. Work then becomes very, very spiritual. And I'll close with a story in a moment just that kind of drives this point home. But we have to realize that it is a very spiritual experience that we're called into. Very spiritual. Amen? And we need, we can't, I can't possibly even come close to this without Christ working that in and through me. I, I just can't. And this last thought is something that is, is, I think, a big thought in our minds, but we don't necessarily say it this way, but we act this way. It's the final big rock. Work is cursed. I had to use this picture because that's a Yaris. I used to have a Yaris. Look at that thing. And I, I don't worry, I double-checked. There was no one in the car when the rock fell on it. But sometimes we feel like when we're in the workplace, bad stuff happens. You say, I could soar with the eagles if I didn't have to work with turkeys. You're like, I feel like I'm surrounded. And what happens is, is your theology gets foggy. Work was intended to be a blessing and a channel of blessing. And all of a sudden, it feels like a curse. Am I the only one? And I'm not just talking about working in ministry. I've, I've done lots of different jobs and lots of different places at different stages of my life. So what is the intention of God? Well, look where it all starts. Notice it's pre-fall. It's the beginning of all things, and God says, I'm blessing you. How? Well, here's what I'm going to do. Be, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And I want you to be successful, and I want you to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion, rule over it. In other words, I built this place. I've created all this stuff, and I want you to have it, and I want you now to be in charge of it. That's meant to be a blessing. Is it not? And some of you right now are reading ahead in your Bible and you go, yeah, but Mark, you know what happened. We all know what happened. There was disobedience. Part of the consequence was, cursed is the ground now because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. 
and you realize there's something wrong with everything on this planet. When you, man, I'm telling you, our copier here at church has a demon. And it only hates Mark Spencer. I go to that cop, or no, Brenna, you too? Okay. I'm telling you, that thing has a mind of its own and a will of its own. There's something wrong with everything on the planet. Is there not, people? And it makes work hard. Jessica was just coming, playing our keyboard player this morning. She had a flat tire. Don't you love flat tires? Don't you just go, praise the Lord, flat tire? Three more to go. <laughs> and you realize there's something really wrong with this planet. I, I get it. There is. But, but see, there's promise. This is when the Redeemer comes, he's redeeming, and he wants us to be part of redemption. This is why taking on the holy call of work is so important, because he tells us here, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Now, how do you read that now, given our conversation this morning? Does that just mean stuff at church? Please. Yep, good. Do you really believe that? All that you do. Paul says in Corinthians, eat and drink to the glory of God. Everything that you do, as you do it unto the Lord, it's all holy work. And you can know this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What you do unto him, it's not in vain. He sees it. He will fuel it. He will reward it. He will call to the angels, come look at this. This is amazing work. He rejoices in it because what it's communicating is the life of God in your life. And it's bringing life to others, which is why you hear this in Matthew from Jesus himself. Let your light shine. Let it shine. And it tends to want to shine in places where it's dark, where it's hard, where, where people are uncooperative, where, where the, the work is difficult. You have the opportunity through the life of God to shine the best. When I was working at Anderson Windows, it was just one of those times that I, I really enjoyed. It didn't make it easy. It, um, it was hard work. You know, I can remember different times where I was found out that I must have been, they knew there was something different about me other than what you guys know. Yeah, Mark is different. But, you know, these guys are like, like one time uh, the, the factory was in summer. It was like 120-something degrees in there. The machines, it was so humid. The machines were breaking down. And we were trying to, you know, trying to build windows. And I, I would stock the parts of the line. And so it was breaking down. And it's, everyone's hot, and it's crabby, and it's second shift, and no one likes second shift. And so everyone was singing songs and praying and just encouraging one another, just saying, how you doing over there, Brother Mark? Here, let me wipe that perspiration from your brow. You think that was going on? What do you think was going on? This was not a holy place. Parts are flying. Words are flying. I mean, I'm a... I'm a former athlete. I spent a lot of time in locker rooms. They were saying words. I was like, wow, I didn't know you could use that word that way. You're just going, it was crazy. So they're, they're just, they're, they're so mad. They're screaming and they're swearing. And, uh, and all of a sudden they stop and they look at me and they go, how come you don't swear? And I said, well, how's it working for you? <laughs> how's, I mean, I'm just kind of watching this, asking the go, oh, shut up, you know, and back to swearing. But, then a few, you know, a few of them kind of needle. Well, what's with you? I said, well, I, 
you know, I guess it, it really doesn't help. I said, I, if I'm straight on honest, I'm taking my time and praying. Oh, but then it got, the word got out that I was the preacher boy. He's the preacher boy. And then they found out I was studying also to be a marriage and family therapist. So now I'm a preacher boy and a counselor. He shrinks heads, you know. What's he doing here? And these are, you know, these are pretty tough factory workers. And they didn't know what to do with it at first. But, you know, people watch, don't they? They watch and wait. Who is this guy? So, you know, for a while, I'd go into the break room, and I'd sit down, and I felt like I needed to wear a big sign, like I did have rabies shots or something, you know, or I'm not contagious, because no one would sit with me, because I'm the preacher boy. So I stopped going, and I just thought, I'm, I'm just going to read a book or something at break time. And one time, as I'm, as I'm sitting there, it's, you know, got these 15-minute breaks, I'm, I'm sitting down by my machine, reading a book, when this guy walks across, Blake. And Blake was kind of your classic Harley rider. And this isn't to diss any Harley riders because if, if I had the money, I'd have a Harley. I like Harley. So, but if you, if you think of kind of the vintage picture of a Harley rider, that was Blake. Long hair, big beard. I mean, I think he housed several birds in his beard. You know, and, and he came and he, he sits down and Blake never would talk to anyone. I mean, he just kind of hangs his head. And I said, hi, Blake. Hey. He said, me and my old lady, we got in a fight last night. Oh, and I, I said, now, Blake, this is going to sound kind of stupid, but I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this. Who's, who's the old lady? Is it like a landlady? And it goes, no, it's my wife. Oh, okay, your wife. Yeah, she doesn't mind if I call her, you know, the old lady. And, and he starts telling me that their fight isn't just words. I mean, they're, they're literally throwing stuff at one another and punching each other. He's unpacking this. I'm like, huh? You know, I'm still in graduate school learning marriage and family therapy. What, what's going on here? So I'm praying. I, I said, Blake, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't sound like there's any easy answer, but I will keep talking. Well, break after break, week after week, Blake would come and talk to me. We would talk about how hard love is. And it, it, it's hard to give yourself away if you don't know someone else is going to give you something in place. That might be the God space, Blake. Oh, never heard it that way. Oh. And you know how change is. It's kind of three steps forward, two steps back. You know, it wasn't smooth for Blake, but he was hungry. And pretty soon Blake was telling other guys. And, you know, we'd be working in group 24, and you'd see these people that would walk in, and they'd kind of be looking across the room. And, and then they, they would see me, and then they would they'd kind of look like this, you know. And, and then they'd come over and make sure no one saw them sneak in. they go, are you the preacher guy? I said, I think I am. I'm not sure. Can I help you? Yeah, I got lots of problems. I said, yeah, I do too. But we can talk, you know. And, and so this amazing thing happened, not because of me, but because of the life of God in me. Where these people were coming. And, and you had all these people that would never darken the door of this church. They would never feel like they could come in. They would never go see a counselor. All of a sudden, because of my proximity at work, they're talking to me about their life, not work. They're opening their hearts and they're struggling and their life struggles. Open up. And every single one of you will talk to people today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. Brendan and I will never talk to. They may never want to come in here. 
But because God had called me to Anderson Windows, and because as I'm there and as I'm trying my best to just let Jesus hang out to me and use me in some way, these guys, these Harley riders are coming. And so the last day when I'm there getting ready, and they know I'm getting ready to go to ministry, these, they say, Mark, we got something special for you. Could you go down to this cafeteria? So I go to the cafeteria, and I think, oh, they're great, they're going to kill me. And, you know, no one's down there. And all of a sudden the door opens up, and here comes all these Harley riders, big, tough guys. And Blake is carrying a white sheet cake with a big red cross. And it says on the cake, God loves you, and so do we. That's not what Harley riders say. And they, they come in, and they sit down, and Blake digs in his back pocket. He goes, Mark, he goes, we've got a gift for you. He said, do you know how hard it is to find a Harley Davidson T-shirt with God's name on it? And I said, I don't know, I guess I'm going to find out. So he pulls the t-shirt out and he, he shakes it out and it says, on the eighth day, God created Harley Davidson. <laughs> so I said, guys, I don't want to break your heart, but theologically, I can't quite get there. I told the story, someone after the first service gave me a guitar pick that says Harley Davidson on it. <laughs> so the gift just keeps happening. And these guys, these are the guys that when we moved from River Falls to Eden Prairie, these guys came to move us and they're, and they're, they're pulling up on their Harleys. It's like the Hells Angels are visiting the Spencers, Betsy Sagan, and big tough guys, you know. You guys want coffee? No, I'd rather have a beer. And you got church people and these Harley guys together. It was crazy. It was good. It was church. It was church. Come on, you can clap. You're not clapping for me, you're clapping for Jesus doing his work. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got a huge opportunity with work. It's holy, it's a gift, it's a blessing. You are a priest. You are the face and hands of God to people around you as you work. So let's pray. Lord, it's an incredible gift when we look at it through the eyes of God in your word. Some of us are in tough situations. Don't mean to make light of that. You know better than I, Jesus. But in the midst of that tough situation, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's the call. So would you grace, would you equip, would you encourage, and would you reward? Thank you for being the chief worker always doing a good work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.